Welcome to the Global Venturing Review Leadership Series. This is the first part of our two-part interview where Izzy Wolger, Head of Strategy and Innovation for the 10 Group, interviews Jonathan Tudor from Centrica and our very own James Mawson. Over to you, Izzy. Should we just kick off very broadly with sort of how the role of CBCs is changing as we enter this, this new decade? Yeah, so maybe if I start off and by the sort of top level perspective, uh, Jonathan. I mean, from my point of view, what we found, if you roll the clock back 10 years ago, the overall venture market as a total globally was about $60 billion, of which corporations was maybe 5-7% of that in terms of their engagement percentage of the deals uh, that they were doing. You know, if you roll the clock forward then over that entire decade, it was about $1.37 billion invested in venture capital in the 2010s, according to PitchBook. And corporations were involved with about two thirds of that by the value of those deals at the end of last year, according to our GCV analytics data. Now, if you think about that $1.37 billion, uh, sorry, trillion dollars, I should say, that $1.37 trillion dollars. You know, that's more than all prior venture capital decades put together. So, you know, that rise in the amount that was going out each year, the sort of 200, 250 billion in the past few years, corporations have helped drive that overall increase per year, which has meant the past decade has been significant. So I think as we go into the new decade of 2020s, I think the exciting things is to say, are we going to plateau? If so, how long for? Maybe we're going to drop back down. But equally, you know, is this a starting point for more corporations, more strategic investors such as governments or universities or other more impact players coming in that's going to take the overall venture ecosystem to new and further heights? And I don't think it's particularly clear, but I think it's certainly clear that corporations think they have to be involved in some shape or form. But what about yourself, Jonathan? What do you think? I I mean, obviously, you've seen all the, the data and the numbers from what you do, Jim, but I, I, I think culturally, corporate VCs almost either come of age or is about literally come of age. I, I think going back 10, 15 years, a lot of corporates had a bad name compared to traditional venture capital companies, right? We, we on the whole, would be clumsy in deal structuring. Uh, we'd ask for things which were pretty obnoxious in the eyes of um, founders and other VCs. And I think we've grown up as a sector knowing now how to behave, mm-hmm. um, knowing how to turn up, look, smell, and, and, and behave like a traditional VC. And, and I think to the benefit of founders, we're there to not only um, help their success, but to try and be successful for our own organizations strategically. It's a strategic lever. We're not just a pure play financial VC. And so once we've got that kind of formula of if it's right for the founder, um, it should be right for us. Uh, it works. I think there's a, a, an increasing number of deals and outcomes which sort of validate that uh, corporate VC is actually an important um, asset class in, uh, in, the, in the whole kind of private equity market now. Great. And, I mean, obviously, we've talked about this from a sort of um, financial perspective, but here I've got how are corporates changing their approach to venturing, and really I mean that in terms of sort of, you know, responding to changing consumer trends, 
you know, the the sort of growing importance of the green agenda, changes in tech and indeed innovation. Do you want to say this first, Jonathan, or uh, happy to do so? Yeah, it's not, I think for me, I mean, there's every company who does corporate venturing has got a slightly different rationale as to why they're, they're pulling this lever, right? And it, it, it comes down to two or three different cases. There's on how do we uh, make the core business um, safer, faster, more profitable? There's, and then there's the other lever, which is increasingly being, being pulled, which is how do we um, help the business transition as, as our own market is transitioning. And I think for us at Centrica, I mean, that, that's that's clearly what the, the lever that we're pulling. I mean, the, the energy market is going through a, a huge transition, you know, with the, the race for decarbonization, et cetera, and to really, really think, how do you do that and have massive step change in, in outcome? And, and the disruption everybody knows comes from more nimble, agile companies such as you know the ones that uh, you know that we're attracted to in the startup community, and so I think that 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 lever that we're pulling now is more about how we can accelerate and do business strategic business development. How do we take the company into new markets, not just geographic but sectorial markets that we've been unable to tap into before because we don't know how to behave there. We don't have a presence. We don't have sales channels. We don't have technology, and and this. Doing the corporate venturing, the partnering with small companies just is one of those levers we are, we're increasingly starting to pull to help us learn, help us figure out either being the channel itself or we can integrate um, their offerings into to what we've done. So there are a couple of examples that we've done in the last couple of years. Uh, Drives is an Israeli company which manages electric vehicle charging networks from a software perspective. We're not a software company, but we're an energy company. We're obviously going to move increasingly into electric vehicle charging. Another one is a German company, Greencon Networks, uh, which if we look at that route of decarbonization in the home and uh, as consumers and us understanding where that's got to get to, of you know, the, the emissions from heating alone in Europe account for a significant percentage. If we can, if we need to reduce that to zero, we're going to need to have to be able to control the energy-consuming uh, devices in the home much better than we are at the moment. So, so if we and we do expect to see increasing number of you know solar in the home, batteries in the home, people having electric vehicle chargers, you might have a you know a heat pump as opposed to a gas boiler providing heat for your home. All these will need to be somehow connected and managed. And that's that's largely what Greencom does. And when we look at that in our own connected home business that we've got, you know, the, the overlap, the synergy, the coming together of those kind of platforms will help that acceleration of decarbonization in, in that sector. So venturing becomes a natural component of that to, to help us do the right thing meet sustainability goals not just for us but for for everybody else but helps us as an energy company uh move through that massive transition that's got to happen yeah fascinating i certainly feel that from our perspective we you know track about three thousand or so corporates that are engaged in the venture ecosystem and centric is definitely at the sort of cutting edge in terms of thinking through you know what it means to do venturing well and what it means for the corporate parent to do it well and i think you know that sort of energy transition and sort of the strategic angle is increasingly important i think you know traditionally a lot of venturing units were thinking about the technology to say you know what 
is it that out there that an entrepreneur or startups doing that we might be able to bring into our existing portfolio set or our existing business unit, which might help them frankly sell a little bit more, cut a little bit of cost, and, and that's enough return. And if that startup then does well and delivers some money back from the money invested from the equity, then that's a bonus or a positive, but it's not really moving the needle. And I think increasingly, because so many different industries are being disrupted by fundamental changes to their business models, as well as how they actually perform the services or sell the products that they need to do so, then it becomes much more life and death. And I think Centrigo and sort of the energy sort of utility sort of point is very much at the forefront of you know what's going on, given the size of the overall industry that it plays in but also you know the importance of the people not just a you know a nice widget that gets you or app that gets you from a to b in a sort of slightly quicker time it is fundamental to how people live if you don't get the electricity or you don't you know fuel the product so i think that sort of switch from a technology to a business model orientated approach you know it's trying to follow or catch up to where sendra is playing but the other thing that you know, we're increasingly seeing is groups are starting to say, how does understanding that open innovation or corporate venturing landscape, how does it then sort of make other parts of the innovation toolset more efficient or effective? How does understanding what they're doing, whether it's electrical, vehicle, charging products, how does that mean that we can be more effective in terms of our internal R&D? department are there some things we don't do are there some things we start to collaborate more with external startups and therefore more likely to speed up that internal innovation tool set and then equally on the m&a piece if that's a a short-term tool that can you know add value you know or it's something that you more likely to reposition the company more quickly and relying on an organic strategy being better at understanding which startups or entrepreneurs out there could culturally fit or help with that strategic landscape becomes really important and it's a slightly different tool set than traditional business development people have had to understand the mindset of entrepreneurs as well as what they could bring and how it might fit with more traditional companies that they would look through you know and say right here's the you know the expected integration pathway and here's the expected sort of value if we cut x cost from them or we get y synergy from it and i think having that a successful and effective corporate venturing unit can basically make the internal innovation tool sets more effective as well as bring a huge amount of value more broadly as part of that tr- strategic decision so i definitely think Centrica, what you've been doing jonathan is you know has been very much cutting edge in that regard great and the next question is really about sort of winners and losers. So, you know, who who's winning from corporate venturing? And you might want to take a sort of market approach to that, you know, different verticals and industries. And then, you know, obviously, it's a sort of question around the relationship between the corporate and the portfolio, who's really benefiting from these sort of partnerships? And then who is sort of corporate venturing failing? And, and what are the pitfalls? So it's a sort of twofold question, I guess. Oh, crikey. Um, I think if you look at who's succeeding, I think you probably have to define the, you know, what is success for you as a team in the first place. And so, you know, when I look at ourselves, I mean, the, the, this is, I don't think it's unique to us in the sense of actually measuring and quantifying the strategic benefits. It's kind of been something that corporate ventures have been wrestling with for 
for quite a while. But when I look at the extent of you know in, engagement around the business, I look at how we're able to present a different view on something, get people to change the way they look at an opportunity. Uh, the, the comments like, oh, wow, I never even thought that was capable and those guys can do it today. These are the type of things which collectively, as they all come together over and over again, help to kind of shift and turn the real heavy wheel over of the organization to kind of embrace this idea that small companies, even if there's only 10, 20, 30 people in an organization, can have a big impact on um, not just bringing new service and product that Jim just mentioned right, to market, but how you culturally think as an organization. So when you know, how can they develop something in six months? Why does it always take us 18? And looking at what does agile really mean in that context? How are they able to um, bring this and this together when everybody in the world says it was going to be impossible? I mean, that, that, that's what founders and entrepreneurs do. They don't give up when people say it's, it's never, going to, never going to work. So I think for, for me, measuring the success of there's a little bit of cultural element to that. Yes, there's a very clear financial um, metric that we can measure about return on investment, return on capital, but we're not a traditional VC. So that's only one component of the success for us. Well, awakening the organization to the art of the possible is a, is a large factor in that. And then the, you know, the one that we've kind of talked a little bit about already, which is a lining of dots, right? The lining of capability that is, is unique in two different organizations. So you can bring that new compelling customer proposition to market regardless of where the sector is and that's that's where the magic happens you know I, i'd love to be able to say that happens every time and it doesn't and part of the nature of what we do is this is you know risk capital venture capital and so not all of these are going to come off not all the hypotheses we have and the founders have about a market come off all the time but it happens with enough frequency that you know you you can start to see uh, the benefits of continuing to do this and doing it and doing it with increasing frequency. I think if you look at where is that failing and who's it failing, I mean, personally, I, I still think there's a huge lack of diversity in the sector. And, I, and I'm not just talking about gender diversity. I think if you look at who the traditional founders that we tend to back, it can be largely predictable. I'd love to see more minority founders, the people who haven't traditionally been supported a lot, being supported more. I think that's not unique to corporate venturing. I think that's just the sector as a, as a whole. And, and I think we, we as corporates, we, we tend to do a, a, sometimes a lot earlier stage investment than, than a lot of traditional VCs. And I don't think we're necessarily the best investors in that in terms of the real support that a, a founder needs and because it can consume quite a lot of management time in, in those type of investments. So I, I wouldn't say we're failing that sector. I just think it's more difficult to um, do deals there and to really add value to the founders of those businesses and likewise bring something back in to the company to, for it to really have a benefit. Uh, and you have to be patient if you, you're going to deal with those type of much earlier stage businesses um, to sort of allow them to blossom before you kind of smother them a little bit. Um, but Otherwise, I wouldn't say there's masses of failure here. It's just a, you're managing a portfolio of risk and, and under that definition, in a way, you're going to have failures and you have to accept them. Yeah, I think that's a spot-on point there, Jonathan. I mean, certainly from 
what we see from our from a bigger perspective, looking over sort of several thousand sort of different CVC units and corporates that engage with the startups and entrepreneurs in that way. I mean, broadly, you know, from our entrepreneur's perspective, she's only looking for five things. You know, she's looking for capital, customers, some sort of product development, hiring of people, and eventually some sort of exit. And you imagine that sort of good corporates can help pretty well much with all of those if if it's structured in the right way over the right time, but you don't want to smother them too quickly and equally you don't want to just provide capital because then you know they can get that broadly from anywhere if they're if they're any good. So I think you know, so I think that sort of challenge remains how do you offer that value in a way that the entrepreneurs that she's looking for, you know, and still be able to derive some understanding benefits that can help from that balance. So I do think sort of corporate entering is probably the job in financial services to get right. And we start to see that actually the groups or people that have been around for five, 10 years plus start to understand that. I think you made the point earlier, that Jonathan, that you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, uh, you know, a number of CBCs were still, you know, sort of fairly gauche or sort of lacking experience of how they approach the sector. And I think that's changed. I mean, we track more than 600 corporates with more than a 10-year track record in venture and investing, let alone individuals such as yourself who have been around for at least that long. You know, and what you start to then find is that degree of experience within the industry as well as institutional knowledge within corporations really means that they can entrepreneurs as well as their parents much more effectively around those tools. And then, But what it does also mean is if you think there are several thousand corporations with less than that experience you know what you find is that they're still trying to get up the curve they are the ones who potentially get cut much more quickly they're the groups that you know struggle to get the sort of management buy-in they haven't yet perhaps got a financial or even a strategic track record and it's still a challenge we see this sort of long tail of corporations that end up starting perhaps with some good intentions but not really staying the course and if you think from an entrepreneur's point of view having people that can continue to deliver along those five needs over a longer time set is really the piece that's invaluable. Having someone that's just in the funding round once, not able to really add much value beyond that or potentially even add some negative factors, you know, that's not helping anyone. It's not helping in her as the entrepreneur. It's not helping the corporate venture unit. And it's not helping the venture syndicate. And I think trying to get more of that longer tail, more professional and more up to speed with, you know, the real leaders like self Jonathan and Centrica and a whole, you know, the host of others, you know, is is really important to help this overall venture ecosystem really become much more professional and sustainable. And that, that really points probably to how are groups organized to set up to be set up for success? How do they think about who they recruit? how they retain them and how do they train them so that their professional development is up to speed and then how do they collaborate perhaps with other corporates or other venture investors to identify the best deals that they can help with and really develop over the longer term and i think that you know collaboration and professional development piece is so important Global Venturing Review was produced by In-Ear Production. You can find out more by going to inearproduction.com.